So how many were here last week? Okay. <laughs> Do we remember what was talked about last week? Anybody? Patience. How did that go for you this week? Anybody? It's very funny. We're doing these one another statements that we've been talking about coming out of this time. The last two and a half years has been in Romans and living in the tension. And now we're in these one another statements. And last week, Mark preached the one that um, I'm glad I didn't have to preach on because I didn't want to be uber aware of areas in my life where I needed to be patient. <laughs> and oddly enough, I feel like it skipped him, the practice, and went straight to me. And this past week, I, mean, I could see everywhere I needed to step in with Jesus and be patient. How many were more aware of areas in your life after last week that we need to step into patience, to be patient with one another? Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, my kids are the ones that represent that irritant that Mark talked about last week. He talked about that analogy of the clam and how it takes uh, sand or, or something that is an irritant and over time turns it into a pearl. And so how patience is you have an, you have an irritant and you, over time you allow God to make that a pearl per se. How many were able to identify irritants in your life more clearly after last week? How many had a good idea what they were before last week? Okay. And is that amplified now? How many for you, they multiplied? You okay? Okay. Patience is a non-negotiable in the context of love. It is something that um, we, we don't just have. It's not something that you just have it all of a sudden. I'm just patient all the time, and it takes no thought, effort, or energy. It is something that we allow God to do in us and through us, and it does take effort. It does take time, time and we have to practice it. And practice, it's not, I, for me, it's never been fun practicing patience. I, I, do some enjoy it? I'm sure there's someone out there somewhere in the world walking around going, I love practicing patience. I do not. <laughs> but it, it's a non-negotiable if we are to walk with Jesus as a fruit of the Spirit. It is a byproduct of him, who he is. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Those things need what? Patience. We can't bear with if we're not willing to partner with the Spirit and be patient. One of the things that keeps me for, from forgiveness is the, repl the, the replaying the tape. And it gets me amped up and impatient. And ugh, it does not slow me down and go, I'm going to just whew, bear through this and get to a place of forgiveness. Patience is needed. I, uh, this weekend, I was desperate in need of space. And, and just, I, I wanted something where I could go, ah. And when you have kids, especially, uh, just one kid's enough. And when you have multiple ones, your opportunity for space decreases. 
It does not increase, it decreases. Because the moment you think you have one, you have, I have three kids, so that means I have three times the chance that I, my space will be interrupted. If it's not one, if, one's, if I look in the house and I go, oh, that one's reading or doing something like that, awesome, I'll have this space. Nope, the other one knows, you, 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 you're relaxing now. And they interrupt it. And you just, oh, I, I want space. And it's hard to be patient in that. Well, I'm not going to mention who out of my kids. <laughs> but uh, we had a kitchen, I had a kitchen standoff with one of my kids. Now, one of the things most kids are blessed with is the ability to ask 60 to 100 questions in 60 seconds. Do you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it's, it's a barrage of questions. And you want to be able to breathe. It's like getting stuck in the waves. And one wave after the other, you're trying to get up for air. And I finally said, no. And I realized I shouted no. So then I go, no. And then I go, well, that's still high. No. So it took three no's. And my kid didn't see my progress of de-escalating. I, I said no three times. That's what they heard. And, and the, I, I said to him, I said to him again, I said, no, you cannot have that right now. Please stop asking me so many questions. And then I hear Shanna's voice in, in the laundry room going, your father said no. Now my kid takes the stance and says, Mom, I didn't know you were in this conversation. <laughs> and since my patience was so stellar already, I did the, the wonderful father thing, the wise thing to do, as you would do to discipline your kid, and I killed over laughing. <laughs> and you think turning hunched over laughing conceals it, but not when it looks like you're having a seizure from behind. So that escalates it. But there, it, it was so hard to be patient. And it's something we as the church have to model. And it is something that we need to carry into this passage that we're going to talk about today and the one another statement we're going to talk about today because you cannot accomplish what we're going to talk about without practicing patience, without bearing with, without learning to forgive. We cannot do it, what we're going to talk about today, without those things. And there, everywhere you go, there's opportunity to practice patience and to bear with and to forgive. Everywhere you go. So that'll never stop. A little encouragement for you. <laughs> if you have your Bibles out, would you please turn to 1 Corinthians 12? And we're going to focus on verse 25 this morning. And for a little context, those of us who have been in the church a while, many of us know this. Paul is talking about uh, the body of Christ and the analogy that all the parts of the body are meant to work together as a unit and Jesus is the head. And so we're going to see Paul explain this and we're gonna, I'm going to hop around a little bit here but the one and another statement we are going to discuss this morning is found verse 25. So starting in verse 12 and hopping around a little here. Paul says this, the body is a unit Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. 
And moving to verse 21, Paul explains more about that, and we get to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. So there'd be no what? Division. No division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. Paul is stressing that when you have the body, there are parts of the body you don't think are as important as others. And he's saying in the body of Christ, it's the same thing. We can look around and say this part isn't as valuable as this part. But he's saying all of that is hogwash. And what you need to do is show equal concern. We each have our own form of a sense of value system how we see the world and we prioritize it and we go, this is a value to me. That's maybe not as much of value to me. How many have those? We all do. And we navigate the world that way. We navigate when we come into a church that way. Well, this is of higher value than this is for me. Some go, well, I come for preaching and not worship through music or I come for the worship for music, not the preaching. And you have these different uh, emphasis of value. What's important to you. And a lot of the things that are as equally important become what? Unseen. We don't see them. Or we know about them, but we might dismiss them. And we may do that within ourselves. Well, I'm only this, and I can only do this, and I dismiss that as maybe not being as important as being on stage preaching a sermon or leading worship or leading a Bible study or being an usher or a welcomer. It, it all depends on what your experiences have been, but you begin to dictate what's of value. And if we do that without God's leading, if we stop seeing each other through his eyes, then what happens and usually unintentionally is the things that are just as important as the things that are public and seem popular and seem of the greatest value, they go unseen, which creates a separation, which means we are not functioning as one unit and division is a product of it. Sometimes when we think of division, we think of it's a disagreement and now it's dividing us. Sometimes division happens because we have an unawareness problem. And when we're aware of it, we don't disagree with it. We just weren't aware of it. And slowly a division happens. And Paul is, is telling us in the body of Christ, every piece, seen and unseen, is vitally important. Because unity in the body of Christ cannot happen if we neglect parts of the body. Christ loves everyone. We know that. We say that. 
and he values us the same, infinitely. We say that and we know that, but sometimes we can miss people. And I'm, and I'm not expecting every single person to be aware of every single person. It's something we do together. But we have to learn to identify and ask the Lord to say, what, who do I need to be aware of that I'm not aware of? Because we are called to show equal concern. Meaning there's no favoritism here when we say equal. There's not a favoritism issue. It's we see people as Christ sees them. And the word here for concern is a healthy version. It's almost connected to that word anxiety we see in scripture. There's this almost this deep care in urgency in a sense. Not a hurriness, but an urgency to care, to encourage, to be with those places that, or those people that have not been seen as clearly. A few weeks ago, or maybe it was a month ago, I don't even know, I can't even keep time anymore. We talked about how so often we can diminish the simplest of blessings and dismiss them. One of the uh, values and products of who God is that I have been valuing so much more because now I'm aware of it as a sincere, tender kindness from people. And I say that because it catches me off guard and it is so gentle. It's the kind that almost makes me feel worthy where normally when I experience kindness, I would feel I'm unworthy and dismiss it. But it's a, it's a type of holy kindness that some people just naturally operate in that can change and transform you in such a way you didn't expect. It wasn't a sermon. It wasn't this huge, wonderful worship service with smoke and mirrors and wonderful things that are really fun and they get us excited. It was a moment of kindness that changed and transformed the destiny of my day. How many have experienced that? God shows you he knows what you're going through and someone is simply kind to you and it transforms your heart, your perception, and your proximity with Jesus in the moment. Is that not powerful? Some of the, mo the most powerful transformation in our lives happens in the shadows, in the private places. Doesn't always happen here. This is great. We need to meet together publicly. We need to hear some teaching. We need to worship together. Scripture tells us that. It's important. We feel the value of it. But I can tell you in my life, I very rarely can remember a sermon. But I can remember when someone was kind. I can remember when someone was gentle. I can remember when someone was supportive. Even if they thought I was wrong. I remember those things and those, things, those people in the body of Christ are essential and we have to show a concern for them. We have to show an equal concern. Now there's an opposite side of that. Sometimes we think that people are established in leadership, they don't need a concern or a consideration or an encouragement. But there are people in leadership that are extremely lonely and feel isolated because it's presumed they've got it all together. So this shows two sides to the coin that need equal concern and encouragement. We cannot say because we don't see someone that, well, I just didn't see them. No, we have to start being aware and start walking with those people. And then if we do see someone, we can't presume they've got it all together. 
This is relationship around the board. And the body of Christ has to become aware through partnering with the Holy Spirit of the people that we need to walk with to encourage them and show concern. Just as hopefully it's shown to us. I can remember a time, and, and it's usually the, these times that mm, you would disregard as powerful. It, it seems ordinary or foolish. And I even felt foolish telling this story in the first service. But how many uh, like getting their hair washed when you're at a, getting a haircut? It can be relaxing, okay? I haven't had that in years. And I was going through a stressful time a few years ago, and for whatever reason, that picture of the process of getting a haircut just soothed me. <laughs> it soothed me. And I went, oh, that would be nice, you know? And I would, I used to cut my own hair so I wouldn't have to pay for it because I'm cheap that way. And, and you miss that. It's not the same thing when you're doing this, you know? It's just not the same thing. And someone that was not on my radar, I'll never forget it. I'm standing right there in the back, walks up, hands me some money, 12 bucks. Simply says, the Lord says he sees you and he wants you to get a haircut. <laughs> now, we laugh. We go, that's funny. I didn't see that coming and, and I could easily dismiss that and go, oh, thank you, you know, and go get my haircut. But wait a minute, stop for a second. What does it tell me about the father? One, he sees me. Two, he delights in what brings me joy. And three, he would send someone I would never suspect to deliver that information. You better believe they were on my radar after that. And there was a sense of concern, a healthy concern, to walk with that person. There was a sense of awareness now that I had that I did not have before. How often that happens to us, and we can simply dismiss it. Well, we're supposed to be kind, so we can take that for granted. Well, someone's being kind, they're doing what they're supposed to. But guess what? Not everyone's kind. Not everyone stops to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me and listen? And then when they hear, have the courage to step out when they feel foolish. Hey, the Lord has been saying to me, you need to get a haircut. You know the first thing I said? Do I really, do I need one? Like what? I mean, I do now. Back then I had short hair. I mean, I, I, almost, I almost went to the defensive rather than, because I dismissed what was going on. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't aware. And when we become unaware of those kind of people around us or unaware or not indifferent about what people are going through, no matter their position, it will create a sense of division and we will look back and we don't mean to create division, but we'll look back and go, wow, we are divided. Because we get lost in this busyness and think it's important. We get lost in all these things and I got to do this and I got to do that. And yes, some of it is, but if we miss people because we're doing stuff, and we are not aware, we will never be united. We'll do another thing to create, to create a counterfeit unity, which is uniformity. You look like what I'm doing now. Whew, that's unity. No, it's not. Man, I'll tell you what. I tried to look like Vanilla Ice in 1992. Pants, hair, everything. 
Ooh, boy, it was bad. No pictures. I used to do it. And then M&A, that guy, what's his name? Eminem? He came on the scene, had this bright blonde hair. I do have pictures and that, and that's awful. I had to shave my head and you know, bleached it and everything. Just ridiculous, because all I could do was uniformity. I could only look like something because I didn't, I didn't even, I diminished my own value. And I was, in a sense, divided with myself and with how the Lord saw me. That was an internal division. And that happens, and then division between us happens because of how we see the world. And we think uniformity, doing what the other does. Oh, this church is doing a new thing. If we do that, it'll produce this. The only thing that produces life is an obsession and an obedience, a relational obedience to Jesus. What do you want to say? How do you want me to respond? Because then I will see who he sees. And I will engage those he's called me to engage. And God willing, receive the ones he sends to me which is really hard for me. But there has to be an equal concern that each life matters. Each life in the body of Christ anywhere matters. Paul is talking about in the context of believers, we have to show that whatever call and gifting God has on your life is of great value and equal value. It has different functions, but its value is part of the body. If I decide tomorrow to run a marathon, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> Why? Because I have not taken any concern about my conditioning in which I would need to do that. If we neglect parts of the body, we cannot function the way God wants us to function. If we say, you're not important, or I'm not aware of you, or you're so commonplace, I dismiss you, we are not going to function as the body of Christ. We're going to keep turning in circles. It's like having one leg. It's not working and I can only do this. What? Yeah, I'm not functioning well, am I? <laughs> no. And you can almost see that in the church. We keep circling the same stuff. Because unfortunately, we become unaware and we, without even knowing it, sometimes knowing it, alienate parts of the body that need to be highlighted and be, be shown concern and nurturing as much as anybody else. Because then we're aware, we're aware of how our body works, God is leading us, and we go where he goes. And I'm telling you now, none of this patience, forgiveness, bearing with, showing any concern, none of it can happen at all in any way without an obsession for Jesus. We will always go back to that. It is impossible. Abide in me and me and you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be patient. You can't bear with. And you cannot forgive in the way in which he has forgiven us. You cannot do those things without connection and walking with Jesus. We can get glimpses of it, we can get pieces of it, but the fullness of it only comes with Jesus. That's it. So we can talk about all these parts of the body and being aware and being concerned, but our first concern is are we with the head? Because if I am, now I can become aware of 
whom I was not aware of. I can see and hear things I hadn't before because he has made me aware. And now I won't go to it because I'm with him and he's showing me. I won't go to a place of shame because I didn't see these people. I'll go to a place of joy because now I do. And it excites me. And it creates joy in me. Because when you see something powerful and wonderful for the first time, it creates a sense of joy and awe and wonder, even in a simple act of kindness that transforms who you are for that day. That's amazing. Is it not amazing? A simple smile. I know some smiley people. You know some smiley people? They smile all the time, and, but when they do, it feels so genuine and sincere, it changes whatever you're going through. That's powerful. But we would go, oh, they're just smiling. Well, thank God someone's smiling about something. And it's bringing me joy. And then remember, there are those that are seen, that are suffering because they feel the burden. Now, I'm blessed because I have people that walk with me. I've never really felt isolated or alone or disconnected. But there are some that do. And we cannot presume they're good to go. Because now what have we done? Left them to themselves and division has happened. We don't do that on purpose. But we assume and then we become unaware. And now we don't have unity, we have more division. So this goes across the board. With the seen and unseen, it's about how we approach those places and those people and show an equal concern all the way around. I mean, with the people that feel like they don't have fancy gifts or this or that, we gotta walk with them and say, oh my goodness, yes you do. <laughs> and for those that are leaders around you, check in with them. Show, uh, if you don't already, and there are a lot of people here that are already doing this, but this is an encouragement to continue because those things can get left behind because we're so used to doing them that sometimes we can stop. So we want to continue to be aware, but we have people on the fringe in the body of Christ. We have people right in the middle of it that feel completely alone. So the concern needs to be there all the way around, and we have to be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to bear with, which needs patience, because those irritants happen. And they're not just people, they can be situations with people. And to forgive, because we'll get hurt along the way. These one another statements, again, are no joke. They gather us, they get our attention, and it's a way that we have to operate and treat one another in a way that honors one another within the body of Christ. Because we cannot do this one without him and without each other. Can't be done, folks. And that's the cool thing. Because the God of the universe would choose that method. I mean, that's awe-inspiring. The simplicity of his love for you and for I. Remember, this isn't a cosmic game. Sometimes they're all oh, the body of Christ. It's a cosmic game. We have to save the world. We have to do all this. He's already saved the world. We're called to go and love the world, making disciples of all nations, meaning modeling that love 
in a way that people can grow and become developed in his presence, in his spirit, to love him more deeply than the day before and give that away. That's the beauty of this. This all comes, this all, this all comes together in a way that keeps us together with him. So we need to be aware of these things. But more importantly, we need to be aware of him so these things can happen. It's not about, oh, now I'm going to be patient. No, now I'm going to stay with Jesus so that I can become patient. It's always going to be about him. Always. And when it is, we are functioning the way we were meant to function. Him leading and guiding, making us aware of what we need to wear, be aware of. You only need to know what he wants you to know, when he wants you to know it. Sometimes I need to know everything. Nope. We stay with him. That's faith, baby. That's faith. And when it's exercised with trust and love, staying with him, all the things we want to see happen, happen more powerfully, more beautifully, that are completely off our radar. So let's continue to, to lean into him in such a way we can become aware of one another in a healthy way. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for the simplicity in which you operate in the midst of the things that we make complex. I uh, humbly ask you, Lord, to help us be so aware of you today until tomorrow comes, but today. And as we're aware to engage you and that you would show us how, where we, some of us feel like, I don't know how to hear him, I don't know how to engage him. Would we trust you in those moments to teach us and, and help us learn how to hear you and see you or send people our way to help us hear and see you in a way that we engage you so that we can be aware of one another and show an equal concern and care for one another. To bear with, to encourage, to forgive. These are all hard things, but with you, we can do all things. Because it's by your power, not our own. So I ask in Jesus' name that we would continue to engage you and be grateful for the grace that you give us in order to learn and grow and be transformed. We love you and we thank you that you love us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I'm in love with you. 
my love. Come away with me to the place. 